thank you for downloading this podcast from Gaimere Baptist Church. You can find out more about our church at our website, gaimerebaptist.org.au. May God speak to you as you listen. This morning, we're continuing this series in the book of Proverbs. And uh, our proverb for today is this, perhaps appropriately, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Uh, the day when we dedicate children, it's probably not a bad place to spend a little bit of time thinking a bit about parenting and what that looks like for us from the perspective of Scripture. Um, as I mentioned last week, when we began this series in Proverbs, Proverbs is amongst the most practical and, to some degree, secular literature that you're going to find in Scripture. What I mean by it being secular is that it's focused on the non-religious aspects of life. It's focused on the importance of the words that we say. It's focused on the importance of friendships. It's focused on the importance of marrying well. And it's focused on things like parenting. Not to say that any of those things can't have some sort of interaction with our faith, but you don't hear, for instance, a great deal in the book of Proverbs about offerings or sacrifices or prayer. You don't hear much about the great promises of God to Abraham, Isaac, or to Jacob. You don't hear much about the law that was given to Moses or about King David or the temple and those sorts of things. Its concern is very nitty-gritty. And to some degree, we would then expect uh, that there be something about parenting because nothing's more nitty-gritty than raising children. Uh, if there's any area where we need wisdom in life, surely it's in raising children. I often say to young parents, first-time parents, that the biggest change, and this was my experience, is that you spend your whole life learning to become a competent adult. And then you have a child and you bring it home and you have no idea how to make it stop crying. Uh, and you kind of all of a sudden feel incompetent again, like you haven't felt for a long, long time. Uh, we need a great deal of wisdom in how we raise our children. Uh, and so it's appropriate that we take a little bit of time to have a look at this. Now, the principle in chapter 13, verse 24 uh, is fairly straightforward, isn't it? Whoever spares the rod hates their children. You've heard the kind of modern version of that, spare the rod, spoil the child. That's not biblical, but it's kind of in line, isn't it? The whole idea is that our children require and find necessary some instructions, some discipline, some guidelines and structures in order to kind of turn out, hopefully, okay, right? In fact, the word discipline, which is found uh, almost exclusively in wisdom literature in, uh, in the Bible, in the book of Job and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, that word is more often translated as instruction. In chapter 1 of Proverbs, which gives us kind of the, the overall purpose and theme of the book, it begins this way, for gaining wisdom and instruction for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. And both occasions where it says instruction, it's the same word that we find in chapter 13, uh, translated as discipline. Uh, discipline and instruction kind of fall in kind of the same category, don't they? Now, the fact that it's translated discipline is essentially because of the other word in chapter 13, verse 24, which is whoever spares the rod. 
And therefore, it seems that if we're going to be talking about sticks, we're not talking about your standard instruction. We're probably talking about discipline. And it is the rod. It's uh, for those of you familiar with the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. This is the same word that's used there. So this is talking about discipline in, in, in that kind of, in that more significant sort of way, right? Bringing into, into line correction, uh, instruction, advice, and those sorts of things. And there's, there's, there are other passages that say much the same thing. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15, it says this, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. Uh, folly is bound up in the heart of the child. I mentioned last week that there are some stock characters that you find in the book of Proverbs. On the one hand, you have the wise. That's who we're all trying to become more like. On the other end, you've got fools and the most hardened type of fools, the mockers. But in between fools and the wise are this group called the simple. Uh, And the simple, if left to their own devices, will inevitably become fools. That's just kind of the way of it. Because, as it says here, folly is bound up in their hearts. And without instruction, without guidance, without discipline, without boundaries and, 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 kind of, and, and, and guidance, they will inevitably make bad decisions. That's just the way it's going to go. But there's hope for them. If you can provide instruction and discipline and guidance, then chances are they might become wise. So here we have this idea that, once again, discipline Guidance, instruction, sets our children on the path that they should go. In chapter 23, verses 13 and 14, it says much the same thing. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with the rod, they will not die. Punish them with the rod and save them from death. Now, let me just say a couple things here. First of all, let me just talk about the rod for a moment. Uh, Because times have changed, haven't they? About the rod, uh, I was actually reflecting this morning. I remember some of, some of my classmates getting caned. I think it was in year four. Uh, it doesn't feel that long ago, but apparently it was. Uh, you know, and so it's not that long ago where that kind of punishment, where this was read quite literalistically, right, and discipline with a rod was kind of standard. Now, that's changed quite a bit, hasn't it? Uh, and, and, and I think rightly so. I don't think this is just some sort of politically correct kind of statement. I think that we need to be very aware and have become much more aware of the broad spectrum. Right? There, while there is a big difference between a slap on the wrist to a small child and beating a child, we know that they're on the spectrum. And we have become a lot more aware of the impact of physical punishment, but also of the sorts of um, abuse that can come from the way in which we speak to our children uh, in, in any number of other ways. And so we have to be very careful about how we read and apply this. So while the, the, the scriptures talk about the rod, I'd like to talk, I guess, about the principle underneath it, right? Which is that regardless of how a child may or may not be punished or may or may not experience the consequences of what they have done, as parents, it is wise for us to be raising them with instruction and with the the boundaries of discipline that help them make good decisions in the future. And I think you understand what I mean by that. Can I also just point out, however, that this proverb in chapter 23 talks about, you know, punish them with the rod and save them from death. Uh, Proverbs are are very black and white. 
It's hard to say everything that you want to say in two lines, and so they tend to be quite black and white. But the outcome of raising children in the way that they should go, the outcome ultimately of helping them to become wise rather than foolish is to save them from the outcome of folly, which is death. Now, it may not be a physical death, but the sorts of decisions that fools make They have poor friends. Uh, They say the wrong thing at the wrong time. They respond in anger to anger. Uh, They uh, don't marry the right sort of people. Uh, They make foolish decisions in terms of how they act in all sorts of different ways. Those will inevitably lead to a less successful life. The outcome here is much more significant. And then finally, can I just point out That Proverbs, because they are so short, do not function as ironclad guarantees. Let me read you one of the most famous passages on parenting in the book of Proverbs. Chapter 22, verse 6. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Now that's pretty good advice, isn't it? Uh, Probably most of us can remember being set on the path that we should go by our parents, and chances are we have continued in that as we have grown older, right? And as parents, as grandparents, as uncles and aunts, as those who have influence in the lives of children, we know the influence that we can have in them. And this is pretty good wisdom. It's a pretty good rule of thumb. You raise a child in the way they should go, Chances are they'll turn out okay, except when they don't, right? There there are times, and you've probably seen it, some of you have experienced this, your children, your grandchildren, your siblings, close friends of yours, where you've seen children raised, shall we say, in identical ways, or as identical as it gets for parents, right? Right? Raised all in the same way, with the same values and the same practices and the same habits, and sometimes they they just don't turn out all right. They end up falling in with poor friends. They end up making really unwise decisions, and they can end up down a path of folly. That doesn't undergird or undermine, however, the importance of this wisdom, does it? It's an important reminder about wisdom generally. You know, last week I talked about how you can have mutually exclusive proverbs. You know, look before you leap, and he who hesitates is lost. And the difference between those is one of timing and context, isn't it? You've got to be able to figure out when to apply those, those proverbs, when you should look before you leap, and when it's time to hesitate, when it's time to not, not to hesitate. But sometimes you can make the right decision and do the right thing, and it still doesn't work out, Right? You hesitate, you look, you make sure of what you're doing, and you get into it, and it still goes pear-shaped. Or you jump in really quickly because you know that you have to, and it goes pear-shaped on you. Wisdom is not a guarantee that everything will work out. These are the observations of what, more often than not, works out in the world. Right? It's the observed wisdom of living in God's world according to God's patterns. And these are the sorts of patterns that we find, that when we... Uh, raise our children with appropriate levels of structure and instruction and guidance and discipline, chances are they're going to turn out okay. But it's helpful then to remind ourselves about what the big, what the, what's the big idea about parenting? 
I don't, I, you know, my girls are a little bit older now. They're 18, 15, and 13. So time has changed. Uh, it's become a lot more expensive as time has changed. Uh, that's been the primary difference. Uh, but, you know, when, when kids are little, everything is so immediate, isn't it? They have to be fed now. They need to get down for their nap now. Like, things happen now. Uh, that hasn't changed actually too much. It's just more expensive now. They need $30 now. They need to be dropped at Westfield now. They need to be driven to Helensburg or wherever their distant friends are now. And this is the way these sorts of things work. Uh, but, you know, when, when we're trying to figure this out, when we're trying, to, um, trying to, to work out how to raise our children, we can get lost in the uh, kind of the minutia of the immediate, can't we? And every so often it's really helpful to remember, what are we, what are we aiming for here? Like, what's, what's the big idea? Right? Like, what are we trying to raise in our children? You know, when our girls were younger, being girls and women in this day and age, part of our hope, Nicole's and I, for our girls was that they would have a self-esteem and a self-respect that was not based primarily on how they looked. I don't know how we're going. Sometimes I think we're doing all right. Other times I'm fearful. But, you know, generally speaking, that was one of the things that we hoped for. And we also hoped that they would grow up with a certain resilience, right? Uh, to be able to fail and it be okay. To be told that they were not the best and for them to be okay. To watch a friend succeed where they did not and for them to be okay. Like, to kind of, because that's life, isn't it? You need a bit of resilience. If you can't handle being told you're not the best, you're not going to get very far very fast. And then we had, you know, our, I guess, our spiritual goals for them. You know, my prayer for them when they were little was that, they would, that God would give them good friends, that he'd help them make good decisions, and that they would learn what it means to love and follow Jesus. Uh, one of my daughters has chosen to be baptized. I was asked to baptize her. I was a mess. I could hardly get through the language. I was crying the whole way. She's like, Dad, hurry up, right? You're just <laughs> embarrassing me, and, you know, as the case might be. That's, just, that, that's part of what we hope for our kids, right? And then there's other things that we hope for them. I mean, you know, sometimes in the moment, we can forget that stuff, and we can end up focusing on having children who are polite or well-behaved or respectful or who are nice, and the categories of Proverbs are not naughty and nice. It's foolish and wise. You know, Proverbs 13, 24 says that whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. The first week, we looked at one of the Proverbs that talks about correction and how correction is a bit of a rule of thumb to determine how well you're going in the kind of are you wise sweepstakes. If you want to know kind of a rough and ready rule of thumb about how wise you might be or how wise you might be becoming, ask yourself this, how do you respond to correction and rebuke and advice and counsel? And if you are always right and never wrong, and if everyone who tries to correct you is just an arrogant so-and-so, you might want to have another look at how wise you may or may not be. So when it comes down to it, as parents, what we are seeking to create or foster in our children's lives is a love of discipline. We're actually seeking to raise children who love discipline, who love instruction, who value being told how to do things more wisely. 
We're trying to raise children who, when they leave us, will actually be on the path to wisdom. And, and that really changes the way in which we seek to bring about discipline in their lives, doesn't it? It means that it, it can't be something that we bring out of anger or out of a desire to control our children. It actually has to come out of a completely different kind of space. And, and here's where, you know, there's all sorts of wisdom on this. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus to want your kids to turn out okay. And you don't have to be a, a, a Christian to say, you know what, I'd like my kids to be resilient, have some self-esteem, be successful in life. And so there's all sorts of stuff that we can talk about. Now, here's some, of the, here's some of the big ones, it seems to me. One is about being consistent, right? You probably heard that, read that, seen that. We, we want to be consistent with our children, right? We want to be able to say that the standard of behavior today that we expect is the standard of behavior that we expected yesterday and that we expect tomorrow, right? There's a consistency of that. There's a clarity around that. And there's a consistency in terms of follow-up, Right? If you're going to say to your children, if you do A for a second time, then B becomes the consequence, well, the next time they do A, B better become the consequence. Well, that's the consistency stuff. I mean, you've heard this. You've, you've, you've thought about this. It's pretty important. I think, you know, as our children grow older, I think one of the, the skills that we need to begin to develop, and, and oh, I feel... I feel like a bit of a fraud talking about parenting, just as an aside. So you know, all you have to do is talk to my daughters or my wife for five minutes, and you'll, you'll kind of get why I feel that. But nonetheless, one of the things I think we need to begin to, to, to facilitate in our lives is the ability to listen. Listen to our children. And, and part of that is actually due to some of the changes that have taken place in how childhood happens, right? Children stop being children a lot earlier than they used to, Right? They're exposed to things a lot earlier than they used to be. I can't believe some of the things that my, my daughters just know uh, because the world has changed so radically. So adolescence, as they, used to, as they would talk about it, has begun earlier, both physically but also socially. Uh, children are busier today than they've ever been before, right? Uh, and then so they can be so busy, their lives can be so full that they can actually experience stress and anxiety that comes from being too busy, as a kid, I was never too busy, like ever too busy, right? I probably thought I was when I was in high school. I probably thought I was really busy. In the university, the same thing. But now I know I wasn't busy, right? You know, they're so busy that they have the anxiety of adulthood. But what's happening on the other end, of course, is that the traditional markers that transition people from adolescence into adulthood have changed. Moving out of house. Apparently, that doesn't happen anymore, <laughs> which is great, right? Great. <laughs> getting married, maybe moving out of house, getting married, right? Uh, having children, right? Even those things are taking place later. People are putting off marriage decisions until later, children later than that. And so we actually find, and this is not my research, it's based on a book that I've been reading about churches and families and kids and whatnot, but the adolescent race, as they talk about it, starts earlier and goes longer. And so you end up actually with children who are dealing with more complex issues earlier, and it's not just a matter of saying this or that, uh, kind of yes or no, black or white. It's often a matter of listening to their circumstance and situation, which is so different from how I experienced it, and listening to them and helping them to make those good decisions and potentially helping them 
well into their 20s. Uh, you know, I don't know about you. When I was, what was, I? I was 17, I moved out of the house. Done. I moved to a different country, in fact. Well, I learned a whole bunch about being an adult, right? Uh, and that's not going to happen with my daughters, it doesn't seem. Ever. <laughs> which, is, which, is, which is fine, right? But we have to help parent them in that period of time. But these are all things, again, that I think, you know, you can read a parenting book on this sort of stuff. You can read blogs on this sort of stuff. Because here's the great thing about wisdom. Because people observe God's world and they see what works in God's world, all wisdom is God's wisdom, right? You read great tips on parenting, good tips on leadership, and if that's the observed world in which we live, I think we just take that as a reflection of our Father's world. But, you know, one of the most powerful things that we can do, I think, as parents is that we need to be models of the things that we're hoping that they will actually take on in their lives. Don't know about you, I'm frightened to death about how much my kids pick up from me. All right? Every so often I see hints that they're going to be better people than I am, and I'm like, oh, yes, the work of God in their lives. Um, but we model for them all sorts of things. You know, um, my eldest daughter is like, she hates being late. And she hates being late, I'm pretty sure, because I hate being late. And, uh, you know, how she moderates that is another question altogether. But we're, we're getting there, right? And so the modeling that we have as parents, as grandparents, as uncles, as aunts, as close family friends, as those who have influence in children's lives, is quite powerful. And, and one of the ways that we can model what we, what we hope to see is to be those who, as I said last week, accept correction, who love instruction, who appreciate discipline, to be able to say to our kids that we were wrong, to model for our children how to be wrong, how to lose face without losing self-esteem, right? To listen to them and go, yeah, okay, I didn't understand that and I'm sorry, that can be really powerful uh, and be a way to model for them what it looks like to be wise. But I think perhaps most significantly, you know, as I said, this is kind of wisdom that you'd read in just about any book. You don't need to be a follower of Jesus to kind of know that children value and uh, flourish when there are boundaries and structures. But as those who seek to love the Lord, it's important that we also um, model for them what it looks like to love and follow Jesus. In the passage that was read a little bit earlier out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And one of the best ways to impress things upon our children, of course, is, is to do things, right? It's what we do that gets impressed upon them the most. Oh, yeah, they pick up little idioms and all that kind of stuff, and they end up sounding a bit like us and all of those sorts of things. But as those of us who have begun to follow Jesus, perhaps the most significant modeling that we can do is to model what it means to follow him. You know, I meant what I said before to the two families. I'm, like, I'm super encouraged whenever I see parents battling with toddlers here at church. Super encouraged by that. 
because it tells me that there's a young couple who have decided that it is more important for them to be at church and model what that looks like, model being part of the community of faith, even if they never hear the sermon because they're in the cry room or upstairs, even if they never really get to talk to anybody because they're too busy chasing after their children. Their children grow up knowing this as an important part of faith. I just find that incredibly encouraging. That is impressing upon your children what it means to love the Lord your God. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be complicated. But it's in our practices and the things that we do and the things that we say where we model a wise life. And wisdom is based on the fear of the Lord which is more than just what we observe in the world of God's patterns for success, but it's also about what he has revealed to us in his word, revealed in his law, revealed uh, most fully in Jesus Christ. Wisdom, children, that should go together, I think, somehow. And so here we have some, I guess, some basic, simple, straightforward wisdom, a pocket tip from Proverbs for better living. Proverbs. 